We are not gods, but Englishmen, which is the next best thing. And we're back. We're talking The Man Who Would Be King and Dead Snow 2 on episode 119 of Have You Seen? Hello, world. After a very long and unfortunate enforced hiatus, we mm-hmm. have indeed returned. Hello. Hi. Um, the, that little voice is Tom Webb, <laughs> and this slightly bigger voice is Kieran Lefort. Um, we can offer nothing but apologies for our absence. Um, it's due to a vast amount of reasons that we probably can't go into in public. No. Just <laughs> um, many things personal professional just conspired logistically technical i haven't i didn't have internet for a month i know it's a pain in the ass when it comes to trying to watch things on Netflix. <laughs> um but order has been restored yeah we have returned to i nearly said the airwaves but that's giving us too much credit yeah. um the earwaves <laughs> of, our, of our listening public wasn't that a thing can you make your ear wave I don't. I seem to remember being, when I was when I was a kid. It's the sort of thing they'd have on Blue Peter, like some random kid who could make their ear wave. Yeah, that's I definitely going to be a YouTube thing, isn't it? Yeah, I don't have the muscle control for that. No. Um. So, way way back in the dim and distant past, we were pitched the man who would be king. No, we pitched each other oh, movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we actually so did it properly for yeah. a change. I'm so used to doing listener pitches. Um. Yeah. Okay. You pitched me, The Man Who Would Be King, yeah. and I pitched you, There's No Two, Red Versus Dead, I think yep. is the subtitle. That's right, yeah. Um, shall we go in chronological order, starting with the one made in the 70s? <laughs> yeah, I think that's Do you want to recap The Man Who Would Be King? Yes. Um, I just realised... Because oh, I totally forgot to listen to the previous episode <laughs> on fine. the way in, as I meant to. I, uh, I, I realised uh, literally seconds ago that when I watched The Man Who Would Be King, I made no notes. Um, Helpful, just synopsis would do. And speaking directly into your microphone yeah, would also right. help. All right, all right, Jesus. Even after normal service has break. been resumed, still a twat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I almost spat water over some very expensive technical equipment. Then, um, okay, so the man who would be king. Um, this is one of those films that is very difficult to define it in terms of genre. Mm. Apart from the fact, it, I guess, an adventure movie is the best you can kind of come up with. Mm. Um, it's based on a Rudyard Kipling story and in this version of it they actually use Rudyard Kipling as a as a character it's to a kind device, of anchor the story yeah, yeah. Um, it's the basic premise is two soldiers who are effectively deserters turned mercenaries decide that they're going to make their fortune by becoming uh, warlords in Kafristan which um for the purposes of this movie, is north of Afghanistan, I think. Yes. Uh, it's, it's kind of that sort of region. So, the, obviously, the, these soldiers... Is it a made-up country or is it a real country? Um, I'm not sure. The stats don't say we've had downloads there. No. Um, but, no, I suspect that it m- is one of these things that it might be a region that is now right. another... Ca- or, right, you know, yeah, yeah. The, it might have existed at the time the film was set. So, yeah, so basically... might have existed at the time the film was made. Yeah, this, so this film... Um, is kind of set when uh, Britain ruled India during the Raj, mm. so it's it's kind of that era, uh, eighteen late eighteen hundreds, yes, think, isn't it? Um, I guess Victorian era mm-hmm. would be right. I don't know. Yes, I'm I'm bad at that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think maybe a bit later. One of one of the Ians. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just see if it actually said it anywhere here. 
what year it's supposed to be set in. But it doesn't. That's helpful. Anyway, I seem to recall it's 1860 something. That's what, oh, that's what, I, have something. In, that's okay. what I have in my head. All right. But I could be wrong. So it might be just pre Victorian then. Mm. Um, anyway, so they, these two guys decide they want to go and make their fortune becoming effectively warlords and uh, kind of taking tribes turning them into armies and conquering the regions mm. and just taking all of their wealth, basically. Yes. Um, and they are moderately successful assets. Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of one of those movies. It's the sort of thing that, that you stumble across on a Sunday afternoon and just keep watching. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of drift in and out of it. A bit like the airport movies. Yeah. It's long and you can just kind of engage as much as you like, I think. I was surprised that it was as long as it was. It's two hours, It's about two hours ten. Yeah, that's about. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it stars Sean Connery and Michael Caine. Uh, Christopher Plummer, Saeed Jaffrey, and uh, Michael Caine's wife Shakira, yes. uh, kind of other, the the only other three people of note, really. Yes. Um, it's pretty much a two hander for the majority of it. It's all about the relationship between there Kane are very and few scenes Sean that don't have Kane and Connery in. Yeah, there are very few shots that don't have Kane or Connery Ex- or both in. Exactly. Yeah, it's. Um, I think I said to you in the pitch, it's probably. It's probably this movie that everybody bases their impressions of Sean Connery and Michael Caine on. It is the most Michael Caine, Michael Caineiness, and the most Sean Connery, Sean Conneriness. Yes, and uh, we did say we were going to do any quotes in an appropriate <laughs> voice, didn't we? Maybe. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I. It's it's one of those movies you kind of think of it as this this sort of this classic these two huge mm. British stars, you know, in a movie together. Um, which is why the next biggest star they could have thought was Christopher Plummer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's kind of, you know, there's humour in it and there's epic scenery mm. and it's just a bit of an odd mishmash that kind of hangs together. Um, I can remember one year at the Edinburgh Film Festival, uh, I had to film an intro. They did a special screening of this movie. Unfortunately, mm. I didn't get to stay to watch the film because I would love to have seen it on the big screen, but I had to be out of the places. But I got to film the introduction, which was by Sean Connery and Saeed Jaffrey. Right. And it was brilliant because it, apparently it's like the one movie that Sean Connery made that he loves. Yeah, he doesn't like a lot of his career, does no, he? No, no. But he loves this. He loves this. Um, I've, I've, I'd love to hear some of Michael Caine's stories about it as well because I bet mm. they're fascinating. But anyway, yeah. um, it's... Uh, Directed by John Huston mm-hmm. uh, in all of its his kind of usual big epic scale. Uh, he also co-wrote the screenplay with a, uh, a lady called Gladys Hill. And then there was uh, obviously Roger Kipling's source material. Mm. Um, so that's that's the best kind of intro summary I can do. Oh, the tagline. that might That kind of, uh, this kind of sums it up a bit actually. Mm. Is adventure in all its glory. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of quite fitting. But anyway, what did you think of it? Uh, I enjoyed it far more than I thought I was going to, actually. Right, I was hoping that would be the case. Um, I did watch it on a Sunday afternoon. Excellent. Uh, I watched it on my birthday afternoon, actually. It was a little little present. (laughs) Right. Um, And yeah, it it was thoroughly enjoyable. It's the kind of good old-fashioned filmmaking where if you wanted a shot of something, generally you had to go there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. All on so location. And there just, are a couple you know. of there are a couple of iffy process shots. Yeah, and there is there's a bit where they're in the snow covered mountains where they use the same uh, they use the same plate of falling snow in front of them over and over again. Yeah, 
Um, uh, I'm just looking at the locations. Yeah. Atlas Mountains in Morocco. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce that. Another place in Morocco. Into um, the mic. Sorry. Another place in Morocco I can't pronounce. Good. Uh, so lots of Morocco. Utah. Right. Uh, Mont Blanc. Uh, and Pinewood. Oh, well, <laughs> so, you, so know, there's a, you know. You can build a lot of things at Pinewood. Well, exactly. I but, assume the interiors but, were done there. Yeah. Um, but it does a good job of uh, making you believe they are where they say mm, they are. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, I, if I hadn't heard that list of places, I wouldn't have questioned it. No, no, uh, yeah. Um, uh, it It's such an enjoyable romp mm. that you forget that Peachy and Danny's quest isn't a noble adventure. Yes. You forget that they're there to rob, pillage, overthrow and conquer yeah. rather than to save a country. Yeah, you kind of, you don't realise actually what nasty pieces of work they are. Yeah, they're, they're a pair of con men, yeah, really. Abso- yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, particularly as it as it goes on. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, where the con so, gets yeah. bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. until it gets out of hand, really. Yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how that's kind of how I viewed it as like a, a con caper film mm, that yes. just happens to be in in the context of an epic adventure. Yeah. Well, one thing I quite like about this is it's, I think I said this in the picture as well. It's a film that was made about a period in British history which isn't really its finest hour mm. yet. But you could say that about a lot of things. Think about all the triumphant war movies uh, you see. Absolutely. And that's nobody's finest ever. No, absolutely. But, I mean, you think about, you know, ruling India and all that kind of area of the world. It was pretty awful. Mm. Um, but it was looked back on as this, you know, the great British Empire. Yeah. And this film was made in the 70s, which we now look back on as a period where things were a bit kind of iffy in terms of, you know, racism, sexism, and all that kind of stuff. So you get this kind of weird little... This weird little thing where this movie is in a time period that we look back on now mm. in a slightly awkward way, yes, glorifying a period in time that we look back on. <laughs> that we look back on in a really awkward yeah. way. Yeah. But um, for example, if you were making this film now, you'd make it with a very different attitude to how they made it then. You probably would. Um, and I was actually surprised that our two given that it was made in the 70s yeah. that our two con men got the comeuppance that they did yes because that's not something you expect that's kind of like a modern thing that's crept into movies um, where he he who is bad must redeem himself or he must be shown the error of his ways well that was always part of the the Hayes code in the 30s yeah I suppose it was which which I guess would have been I mean let's have a look at John Houston's career there's a rule when or there was a rule start? And I think it's in Taiwan right. where anybody who is shown to have committed a crime on screen um, must be killed or apprehended by the police by the end of the movie. Right. To the that point was pretty where, much how it was in the Hayes Code. Yeah, to the point where, for example, the, uh, the, version, the, the thing I can think of is, I think it's John Woo's The Killer. Right. Uh, where the Taiwanese version has a whole load of extra stuff that's not in the not <laughs> right. in the, the the cut everybody else has seen because everybody who has done something bad who's still alive has to be has to have their comeuppance has to has to face justice right uh, i'm just seeing if i can find out when so john houston's directorial debut mm-hmm. production uh, okay so the hayes code Hayes was... It's like uh, you've totally forgotten how to speak into a microphone, sorry. really. 
Hayes, Hayes was the president of uh, the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America Association mm-hmm. uh, from 1922 to 1945. Right. And John Huston's career started in, in terms of directing, 1941 oh, so with the Maltese would've... Falcon. Okay. So he would have been right bang in that kind of That's, mindset. That was his first film? That was his first Good film. Lord. That is something exactly. that I've been meaning to pitch you since we started this show. Yes. Because I loved it when I first saw it. Right. And then I watched it again to write a pitch, and I hated it and turned it off. Oh, really? And I didn't understand why. So I'm going to watch it again. Yeah. With an open mind and see what happens. Yeah. Because I think Maybe I've we should seen... do it as a, as a semi-blind one. Yes, like, I've we'll seen bits of it. just watch it together without me having pre-seen it. Yeah, I've seen bits of it. Yeah. Um, do you, have, you, have you ever... Have you seen have you seen or heard about Adam... You know Adam Savage from uh, Mythbusters? Yeah. That, that he one day just decided he wanted to make himself a replica of the Maltese Falcon. Okay. And then got massively obsessed by making a replica <laughs> of the Maltese Falcon. No. It's, I'll see if I can find you the video of about what... It's insane how obsessive he gets about it. And uh, he's the kind of guy that will go down to the real oh, details, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's brilliant. I'll see if I can dig up the video because as a little side note, it's quite you'll, you'll enjoy it, I think. But anyway, back to The Man Who Would Be King. Yeah, um... I mostly ended up just writing down all the quotes I liked, right. to be honest. Um, I do want to talk about, towards the beginning, Yeah. Uh, um, Kane meets Kipling on the train. Yes. Uh, after nicking his watch and yes. discovering he's a Mason, as yeah. well as Kane's character. Yeah, that's something we haven't touched on, the fact that they're both Masons. Yes. Because that's quite central and key. It is, yeah, yeah. especially as it goes on. Mm. Um, and there's a little Indian fella <laughs> who gets in the carriage with him. Yes. With a giant watermelon. Yes. Right. That watermelon was so big, it should have had its own fucking acting credit. <laughs> I know. I think the the moment you're leading up to is the point at which my wife suddenly got into this movie. Where he gets the... Where he just grabs him and throws him off the train. <laughs> yes. Without <laughs> stopping. Yeah. And, like, he flies... I can't remember this, but he flies out with, like, good day to you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> well, the line, I think, from... So... This guy starts eating the watermelon and spitting the pips out on the floor. Yes. And, and Kane's like, out Kane the window, is sunshine. He's, he's like, oi. That's our first attempt. <laughs> he's like, oi, babu, out the window. Yeah, and you yeah, kind of yeah. think means he means spit out the window, but he doesn't. He just gets up, picks him, and just shoves him out the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did I... Did I write anything that's not a quote? Let me have a look. Um, I liked um, uh, Side Jeffrey's Billy Fish. Yes. He's a fun little character. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great little character. Um, he's um, kind of, he's a, uh, he's a rifleman, isn't he? He's a, he's yeah, an he's Indian a who signed up. For, yeah. 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 And he's there, kind kind of a guide and translator, like yes. towards the second half of the film, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, kind, he kind of is the bridge between the Englishman and the locals. Yes. Um, and uh, how... Well, basically, how they get these people to follow them, how exactly. they round them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's fully indoctrinated into uh, sort the of British, the way. British queen, yeah. queen and country. Yes. <laughs> One of his first lines is "Oh dear me, alas, by Jove." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought it got really good towards the end once they finally introduced tension between Peach and Danny. Yes, because uh, as the story goes on, uh, Danny, who's Connery's character. Um, he gets the locals to think that he is he is a living god that he is uh 
the the son of Alexander the Great, who they worship as a god. Yes. Um, simply by virtue of uh, he gets shot with an arrow that sticks in his bandolier instead of his chest mm. and pulls it out and there's no blood. Yeah. Um, and also when when the uh, when the priest in the local village doesn't believe them and it looks like he's going to kill him, yeah. they tear his shirt open and he's got the the sign of the Masons, yeah. which has been carved into a into a stone. Yes, in uh, it's, it's like a stone box tomb thingy. Yeah, in this kind of like uh, sort of, uh, I guess it's some kind of well, it's a, a small citadel, really, isn't yeah. it? And then uh, there's the mark of the masons. Is, yeah, is I there. was underselling with village, wasn't I? Yeah. Um, yeah. So they get they get him to believe. No, he gets them to believe that he is this this god, but then he kind of starts believing it himself. It goes to his head. Yes. Um, and that's what drives the wedge between the two of them because Cain is still, Peachy is still down to earth. He still knows it's a con. Yeah. And he still just wants to abscond with the goal. Yeah, he's got his eye on the end game. Whereas, whereas Connery's enjoying being worshipped a bit. Yeah, and, and he's starting to think that the more he goes along with it, the, the more wealth they'll get, yeah. Yeah. which may or may not be true. And that stuff is good when they're, when like uh, Danny just takes Peachy aside and he says, uh, it's... um. You know, I I think that for appearances, when when you pass in front of me, you should bow like everybody else does. Yeah, and and Peachy's just like, okay, all right, no problem, oh, all right, no problem, and kind of capitulates to him. Yeah. Um, but you can see that it's it's tension. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, he's yeah. There's only so long he will go along with this idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Everything else I wrote is a quote, really. <laughs> Um, but overall, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, uh, it's a load of fun. Yeah. And like you said, just something to have on in the background of Sunday afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. And in and out of. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's one of these, I, 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 I'm meaning to get the Blu-ray because uh, this was on UK Netflix. Yeah. I was watching it on Netflix and it looks nice on there. Yeah. Some saw, of the shots in particular, like when, once they've, um, mm. Uh, once all the dust and scratches have cleared off the film, yeah. there are some really, really nice yeah, shots. I suspect Particularly that. stuff um, later on, once they've built their army up. Yeah. There's a shot which has got um, men marching through it and they pull back and back and back and back. And you can see the thousands of extras <laughs> they've yeah, got yeah. to be in this line of people. Yeah. It's not it's not like today where you have like 200 and then just multiply them in. Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. I'm, I'm pleased you liked it. It's mm. one of those movies that it's a it's a... It's a classic and rightly so, mm. but it's just it's just also a bit of an oddity at the same time. Mm. But no, I really like it. Okay. Are we getting out of this before doing any bad impressions and uh, moving uh, on? Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. All right, because we're going to really offend people who do impressions in the next film because that's Norwegian. <laughs> yes. So, moving on. Yep. Um, I should probably bring you up to speed with... Uh, well, not you. You know, you just watched it. Yeah. Uh, Dead Snow 2, Red vs. Dead. Mm-hmm. We reviewed the original Dead Snow yonks ago. Yes. Uh, and ago. it was just kind of a... It was a fun little zombie film, Nazi zombie film, uh, set in the mountains of Norway um, with a group of uh, a group of friends on holiday who uh, accidentally stumbled across some Nazi gold mm. uh, and the Nazi zombies would like their gold back, please. Yes. And that's what drives the start of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, we pick up where we left off. So uh, Martin, who is the sole survivor of the first movie, he's ready to drive away, but a final piece of the gold drops out of his pocket into the car. Sorry, my screensaver just kicked in over here. Let me turn that off before it <laughs> screws us up completely. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, energy saver. 
off uh, screensaver screensaver never there we go there's a little peek behind the curtain of the making of have you seen <clears throat> so martin's in the car he's going to drive away a bit of gold drops out of his pocket uh, and herzog who is the zombie commander punches through the window uh, and grabs hold of him and that's where the first movie ended was herzog about to hit the window yeah um he grabs martin who floors it, uh, smashing Herzog into the front of an oncoming lorry uh, and tearing his arm off. Uh, Martin then, exhausted from what he's been through, passes out the wheel, uh, crashes the car, and when he comes to in the hospital, the doctors are proudly telling him that they've reattached his arm because he lost an arm in the first film. Unfortunately, it's not his arm, it's Herzog's, which has a bit of a mind of his own. Um, And on top of that, the police don't believe his story about uh, a Nazi zombie army and suspect him of massacring his friends. And... On top of that, the uh, Herzog is back. He's found a new target, mm-hmm. um, and he's going to cause trouble all over again. Really, yeah. uh, it was shot in both Norwegian and English versions at the same time. Right, a bit um, like uh, Contiki. Yes, yeah. uh, and it's the English one that was on Netflix. Yeah, um, the accents range from pretty much English to pretty much incomprehensible. <laughs> and I'm thinking of two actors in particular who share a lot of scenes together. Right. Um, so what did you reckon to this? Well, it's interesting because the original film, I seem to remember, I thought it was good, but there was no there was no reason for the zombies to be Nazis particularly. No, I don't think so. I think just maybe they were able to get hold of a load of Nazi uniforms. And, yeah, so you know, the gold made a good MacGuffin. Yeah, for the so attack. I kind of, I kind of never really kind of bought into that. But in this one, they kind of get the law right. Yeah, and it makes a lot more sense. Mm. The only thing is, I think the characters in the first one are more interesting. So, like the the rough idea of the first one is better than this one. Right. But the law surrounding what mm. they're doing, why they're doing it, is much better in this one. Um, so I did enjoy it. I think overall I enjoyed this one more than the first one, just because it kind of makes a bit more sense. Mm. Um, the uh, the one thing I didn't like about it was the zombie squad. Right. And it was kind of like that. that kind of felt like it kind of felt like just a way to get either extra funding or to secure an international release. Quite possibly. Because I think it would also have helped if any of those people could have acted a bit better. Yes. So they basically, the zombie squad of three Americans that, that, that kind of get roped in mm. to the situation. They have a website. They, they yeah. present themselves and as zombie experts and zombie killers, although they've never actually faced anything. Yeah. This is their first real case. Exactly. It would have, you could have actually made it made more sense and it been possibly a bit better serving the story if they'd been Russian or alternatively just being Norwegian yeah Um, you know it just it didn't quite that didn't quite gel for me Mm. Um, but having said that I think that the the whole premise of uh, them trying to continue the mission that they had the Mm. personal mission and they'd been given by Hitler Mm. to wipe out this town that kind of made a bit more sense yeah and it kind of overall it just kind of you know it it kind of was a bit more engaging Mm. um because what we haven't, uh, the thing that we haven't mentioned mm. is that um, because 
Martin has Herzog's arm. Yes. He also has Herzog's power to reanimate the dead. Yes. Which he does by going and finding a Russian army. Yeah. Uh, to t- uh, to take on the Nazi yeah, army. Yeah. It was a Russian pl- platoon or battalion yes. or whatever that uh, Herzog had had shot. Yes. So he kind of resurrects them to help. Um, I think o- overall the things I really liked about it. I liked the way it was shot. Mm. I thought it looked really good. Um, there's some really nice cinematography mm. in it. Um, I kind of my overall writing thing was like um, when uh, Martin's trying to get used to the arm. It's a bit like if Sam Raimi had directed Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. where he's kind of wrestling with that with the, the Nazi arm, effectively. Mm. Um, yeah, I just it was one. I was just kind of there's a couple of things I've written down that were either just quotes or uh, you know mostly what I've covered already. Um, there's um, I liked um, is it Glenn yes when he's who being is, threatened who is, an, who is the co-writer and an actor right. from the first movie oh right okay. yeah he was he played one of the friends in the first film right yeah um, yeah I liked his his pleading don't kill me uh, I have two kittens don't hurt me <laughs> uh, there's a bit I like when uh, because the character is gay but he's yeah. trying to cover it up all the yeah. way through and there's a bit where someone says to him, there must be someone you love. And he says, yeah, there's one Matt, woman uh, that I love uh, with long hair and big breasts. <laughs> yeah. um, the vein of humour that runs through this is so dark. Yes. Yeah. Things, things like um, uh, Martin accidentally throwing a kid out of the hospital window yeah, and, and then I'm... trying to revive him with a chest compression. And because the arm is so powerful, he just pushes <laughs> straight through, through his chest. Yeah. The, um, I found some of it so interesting. I found uh, this is probably just because I'm getting older, but there were mm. bits of the bits of the gore and the violence that I didn't like, right? And bits that I did and found funny. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes down to now that it really needs to be part of the story, right? So, for example, there's a whole scene where they get their car gets bogged down in some mud and they use a zombie as a traction board yes. to get out. And I was kind of like, eh, that's I don't I don't think that's really that, that no, funny that, of a gag. But, but that plays in later because that zombie keeps getting tortured and beaten over and it, over it again does. to where when he shows up at the end, there's yeah. hardly any of him left. Well, I know, it does, but it's just it's kind of like that that one scene only Because he's the first that, one. He's the first yes, one that, that, um, they revive. that Martin yeah. revives. Yeah. yeah, but that's the only... That that gag is just serves a purpose of adding in an extra gag to that run. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the, and it's like it's almost well, almost a two hour movie. So mm. I think there's there were things like that. I was just possibly like, yeah, you could trim those out and mm. and trim that down. Um, I like I really like things like um, I like the arsehole cop with the thick accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would you eat my little man pussy? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I like the tooling up scene with the zombie squad where they're going through the um, like they're lamenting that you can't buy guns in this country (laughs) uh, and they're going through the hardware store and there's there's a scene it's held for a good 30 seconds of their receipt printing (laughs) out (laughs) Um, little things like uh, the zombie arm desperately trying to grab a black guy as it passes passes Martin by that's good Um, and (laughs) uh, I don't know things that I shouldn't shouldn't find funny um, when because um, Glenn is the museum worker. Yes, uh, uh, and Martin goes goes to the museum to find out about Herzog, yeah. and they have to hide when yes. he and Herzog <laughs> by pretending to be part of the exhibit. Yeah, um, and then when they see the massacre in the car park, Glenn <laughs> pukes massively on the window. Yeah, cuts away, cuts back, and Martin just casually wipes <laughs> it away and carries on watching. 
Um, I, and there was the line, I don't want to die standing next to a man in a green tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like um, where they use, the zombies use intestines to siphon fuel out of yeah. a bus into a tank. Yeah. Um, yeah, they get, I don't know, there's so much ridiculous stuff in it. Yeah. In the big battle at the end, there's just when the cop turns up and he's one line is just Jesus, Mary and Joseph Stalin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I missed that. When he spots all the Russians. Yeah. Um, um, and there's there's a bit in the final, when Herzog and Martin are fighting in the house mm. and Herzog throws Martin up through, through the, the ceiling, ceiling and yeah. then he falls down the stairs. Yeah. That I thought was really good. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of good stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's another line that I found from the cop was like, we're going to be the heroes, not those stuck up fancy sushi eating dickweeds from the South. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was just, and then the icing on the cake being like kind of, you know, everything's finished, the, the battle is won. Mm. And then it just cuts to total eclipse of the heart. That scene is so wrong, but so funny. <laughs> Absolutely. And I was just like, I was just sitting there, as soon as that like opening opening bars kicked yeah. in, I was just like, what the, why this? Yeah. What is, and then it was and just like, oh, And then you realise what's happening. Dear, yeah. yeah. Uh, should we tell people what happens? No, I don't or, think no? so. I okay. think that's, that, um, that's. Yeah, just stay all the way to the end if yeah. you're going to watch it. But yeah. I, like that scene is so unbelievably wrong, but I was howling with laughter yeah. all the way through it as soon as I realised what was going to happen. I just, I just, I, I, I think it's such a great song. And uh, you can just imagine <laughs> that... The... You'll never hear that again. No, I lo- I, it's a great song title, Clips of the Heart. And I just... It, it's just a bit for... of Jim Steinman, do you? Yeah. Um, you could just imagine if someone showed that to Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anybody has. Oh, yeah. Oh, she must have okayed it. Surely. If we, ever, if we, well, she might not have to. It might be the yeah, record company. That's true. Yeah, it would be whatever record company represents it in in the yeah. territory. I know. I know. And then it would um, just have to be clear for international release. Yeah, I we know. have used this song. Oh, okay, then give us some money. I know. Meatloaf is eternally pissed off that he never got it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he like he I reckon, really really wanted. That I reckon song. if if we ever have to interview Body Tyler for anything, we'd need to take that scene <laughs> yeah, and show yeah, that and see what the reaction is. Um. So generally, overall, quite fun. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's I think, not a perfect film. I no. pitched it to you because, not for the strength of the story or anything, no. just because it made me laugh all the way through and because of the action is quite inventive. Yes, yeah, I mean... And I, even, even some of the comedy is quite inventive, like the Nazi zombies have a medical station. Yes, which yeah. Which is just, just hay and yeah. a plunger yeah. as they stuff themselves back together. I, it's one of those things I think I, I really like. What? I like both of them, but I think there's there's enough problems with them to be annoying mm. but there's you know if if there's enough good stuff that you'll forgive it I ex- think. yeah exactly yeah. but it also i think it could it could have been something even stronger if yeah. the, if if the good bits from both were mm. possibly even just one film yeah um or you know the the law was consistent a bit more consistent stuff what you know? i really want to do is gather my main circle of friends yeah. and sit and watch this with them i'd yeah. i really want to see uh, both of them actually with an audience because i've only ever watched them by myself yeah. yeah um but i think yeah in a in a room full of people who are up for it yeah. these would back to back these would play really well yes absolutely yeah so there we go that's mm. our movies covered yeah um we have listener pitches I just have to find them. Uh, I'm going to start with the short one because the other one's really long. Okay. Or should I not? No, let's do them the other way around. Okay. For regions of for, for regions of the region, reasons <laughs> right. of the region. Right. Norwegianness. Yes. We have a listener in Norway. Oh God, please tell me she's actually from Norway. Now I've said that. 
Oh, well, I don't know. I'd assume so. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mispronounce her name as okay. Marta Miras, right. who wrote us a very, very long message way back in May on Facebook, which I am now going to attempt to read. Right. Hey, guys. I finally worked up my nerve to write to you. I stumbled upon your podcast in search for something new to listen to, and by the first show, I was hooked. Well, that's amazing, because our first show <laughs> was crap. Yeah. <laughs> um, my iPad is rotating. Um <laughs> Uh, I listen to you at any given moment I could, at work, uh, on the bus, walking my dog, in bed, etc. As a woman who's listened to us in bed. (laughs) I think by two weeks, I caught up to episode 75 to 80 somewhere. Wow. That's going some. It's awesome, she says with an exclamation mark. The Casablanca episode made me laugh hysterically all the way through. Uh, The Howard the Duck episode was epic and so, so many more. As a true Norwegian, yes, I got it right, uh, (laughs) when you talked about Troll Hunter and Dead Snow. But please, no more Sharknado. (laughs) But there's another one. Oh, yeah. But there there shouldn't be another one. Right. There's going to be a fourth as (laughs) well. I know. That's just terrible. Uh, They're they're almost a license to print money now. I know. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Well, we we shall see. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should put it out to the listeners. Vote yes or no. Should we do Sharknado three? Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, well, that's not... what they're doing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. you vote on whether You're... one of the characters lives or dies. Yeah, it's uh, what's her Tara Reid. Tara Reid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can vote as to whether she lives or dies. So maybe mm. we'll do that. We'll we'll Sharknado live or we'll die vote on this whether podcast. Kira lives or dies. <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like I know you guys just by listening to the show. How Kieran loves wrestling and that Tom loves bunnies. <laughs> Uh, on the live stream of episode 100, I was benched. What? That, <laughs> might, that might not translate. Uh, and if anyone around me talked, I told them to shut the fuck up, <laughs> which wasn't my place to do since I was on holiday at my aunt's house. <laughs> well, to the point. Snowpiercer. I kind of both liked and disliked the movie. Uh, me and a couple of friends picked it up randomly because no one could agree, and we just went with this one since none of us had seen it. I was rather traumatized when they smashed the poor man's frozen right arm off. Uh, Yona and Fuyu made the movie for you, for me. I don't know which characters they are. They were the two Koreans, I okay. think. I think. I, oh, it's been so long and I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Uh, uh, they made me laugh and cringe. Fuyu was insane, but just awesome. I'm agreeing with Tom that I thought the shooting uh, through the train in a curve was bad, but the ending, the ending ruined everything for me. <laughs> everything. So bloody stupid and just, ah! <laughs> Onto my pitch. I've been trying so hard to find a copy for you guys to send with English subtitles. Uh, as a Norwegian, I have to pitch a Norwegian movie. I could not find a copy with English subtitles, so I can only hope that you can find it, watch it, and talk about it. Well, I've had a look, and it's on at least one of the Netflixes. Yes, and also, bizarrely, I think about a week after we got this email, it was actually on TV. Oh. Oh, and that's right. You did tell me, yeah. and I couldn't record it yeah. because I didn't have a TV signal. Yeah, uh, but I did. So. <laughs> okay, good. Well, you at least can watch this. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I will try to find it. Yeah, maybe we we'll end up watching different versions. <laughs> maybe, the subtitles yeah. would be different, I would imagine. Um, I would imagine it was on BBC Four, so I would imagine it will be in Norwegian with subtitles, yeah. as opposed to any kind of dub or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, in Norwegian, it's called. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, mm. but in English, it's King of <laughs> Devil's Island. Uh, it's based on a semi-true story. The island is real. The place is real. The story. God knows what happens there. So maybe. It was a place where they sent trouble boys to learn some manners. This was in 1915. The conditions were hard and the discipline worse. The story revolves mostly around a boy called Erling, but Ivar and Olav are also central. The warden governor is played by Stellan Skarsgård, and he plays so well that I truly hate him. I will not tell you more. I think it's the best that you go in without me revealing too much, as I'm a person that does, it, that, does that way too often. Uh, I hope you will like it. Sorry for my spelling and errors and bad formulations. 
Uh, thanks and keep up the good work. Uh, hugs and much love. P.S. Tom, good luck to you and your wife with the IVF treatment. Oh, thank you very uh, much. Kieran, your laugh is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. Brilliant. Um, I remember King of Devil's Island because I filmed the interviews with Stellan Skarsgård when he was promoting it in this country. Yeah, I, when back in our old submersible. Yeah, that was I when the email came through or the message came through. I was kind of like, oh, that uh, that rings a bell, and I couldn't think why. And then when I sort of saw the poster and stuff, mm. I thought, oh, right, I seem to remember we we did something with that. Yeah, uh, Marty, you don't have to hate Stellan. He is an absolutely lovely man, um, <laughs> much like all of the Scandinavian actors we've. Yeah, actually. All the Nordic region actors we've yeah. spoken to. Yeah. Him and Mess Mickelson. And- uh, Mess Mickelson was like the coolest. Dude. He, in fact, we you thought he was I going shot- to be an absolute dick. Yeah. So that's interesting because I shot the junket for the one that you pitched me. Yeah. Uh, a Royal Affair. Yes. Huh. We're and on a bit of a, of a roll now. So. We are. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting some more Scandinavians in. I mean, yeah. It's good stuff for the show. Mm. Uh, and when he was, uh, when Stellan was talking about this film, it was mm. something I wanted to see, but yeah. it was difficult. Because uh, these things only get small releases over here, generally. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but now um, we have the opportunity and yeah. a reason to watch it as well. Yeah, that's really cool. It sounds like it was kind of like a, effectively like a what over here would be a borstal. I think so. You know, like a, a reform school for mm. boys, that kind of thing. Well, um, we shall take that pitch as it is. Thank yeah. you for your very lovely words and thank you for the pitch. Yeah, um, thank you We shall take much. that pitch as it is and we'll do further research into it after yeah. we've watched the film, Absolutely, I think, so yeah, as yeah. not to spoil anything. Yeah. Our other pitch... Yeah. Um, is much shorter. Okay. Uh, contains nowhere near as nice words about right. us, um, and is an entirely different film. Right. Kenny Vengeance, a Excellent. veteran of the show, yes. says, "Hello, guys. In the spirit of director YouTube movies such as Rope Dope One and Two, which are totally awesome, I am pitching you Kung Fury. Here is the description from the official Lazy Unicorns YouTube video. Right. Kung Fury is an over-the-top '80s. Start that again." Kung Fury is an over-the-top 80s action comedy that was crowdfunded through Kickstarter. It features Kung Fury, a Kung Fu renegade cop who travels back in time to kill his nemesis, Hitler. Right. The film features Nazis, dinosaurs, Vikings, and cheesy one-liners. Uh, then Kenny says, I absolutely love it, and I hope you two enjoy it as well. Now, I just discovered, as we were starting this show, mm-hmm. and I briefly mentioned this, you somehow had never heard of this. No, no It has been a darling of the internet. No, no. People have gone crazy over it and uh, the trailer that was made some time ago. Right. Um, I shall read you only the opening, the the first paragraph uh, on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. because I don't want to spoil this Okay. Uh, for myself either. Kung Fury is a 2015 Swedish martial arts comedy short film written, directed by and starring David Sandberg. It pays homage to 1980s martial arts and police action films. The film was crowdfunded through Kickstarter between December 2013 and January 2014, with pledges reaching 630,000 US dollars, wow. exceeding the original target of 200,000. Wow. Uh, if they got to a million, he would have made it a feature film. <laughs> As it is, I think it's 31 minutes. Right. Um, it was selected to screen at Director's Fortnight in Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I've seen the trailer. Right. It's all shot entirely on green screen mm-hmm. to the point where, um, and so cheaply, to the point where the director plays half of the extras in some of the <laughs> scenes as well. Um, for a, a, the effects are very stylized but very good. Right. Um, and 
possibly the funniest thing is they managed to rope in David Hasselhoff to do a theme song Amazing. and made a video oh, incorporating him into the movie that they then released on YouTube. Fantastic. Um, so this can be watched by anybody on YouTube. Right. Um, it's available to download on Steam. Uh, it's all over the place. Right. Uh, but I'm going to go for I'm going to go for the YouTube link as that seems to be the way yeah. to go. Okay. Um, Sounds bizarre. Yeah, it's going to be a weird mix of films <laughs> next yeah. week. Um, but yeah, it's only half an hour, so it's not going to take take long. Cool. There we go. That's excellent. It. Um, we have returned at last, mm-hmm. uh, and true to form, I can't find the plugs and thanks notes. <laughs> and it's been so long, there is no chance I'm going to remember off the top of my head. So I'm going to vamp while I uh, try to find the note. That was easy. If you have seen. Kung Fury, or King of Devil's Island, or as it's called in Norwegianish, um, you can tell us uh, on Twitter at HOS Podcast, uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash have you seen podcast. The website is have you seen.net, and the email is podcast at have you seen.net. We still have a YouTube channel <laughs> to which we add nothing, but contains some short videos of us pitching films that we're mm-hmm. never going to cover on this show yeah. because we've both seen them, we both like them, and it would be pointless waste of time and true to form we really should do more of those yeah we should <laughs> uh there's one we talked about doing at least six months ago that we still haven't done is there oh, yeah <laughs> i've completely forgotten good what I'll, I'll talk to you about it once Fine. we turn the mics off and it also contains uh the full uh episode 100 live stream archived in a slightly tidied up form with better audio yeah um i call it the director's cut right uh so you can watch us like flail around in live action as we attempt to do mm-hmm. one of these shows we like shares and likes on Facebook, particularly of new show posts. We like retweets on Twitter, again, especially of new show tweets. We like reviews and ratings on iTunes, particularly those with lots of snowflakes, and your pitches for new films and reviews of stuff we've covered. Thank you to all of you for listening, especially if you've done any of those things. Thank you to Kenny and Marta for their pitches and nice words. Mm, yeah. Uh, thank you to Upbeat Productions for letting us into the submersible. Alexia Mom for his technical expertise. We no longer have a submersible manager as Rob has moved on to pastures newer. Yeah. Yeah, so that's changed in the past couple of months as we've done one of these. Uh, We, um, as always, wish him well yeah, uh, because he is a tremendous fella and welcome him back anytime he wishes to manage his submersible. Absolutely. Or, in fact, just come for a drink. Yeah. And thank you to Nicola, the social media manager, for managing social media. Mm -hmm. We still, on a daily basis, get at least one new Twitter follower. That's cool. Which is great. So that's it. Mm -hmm. We'll be back, dare we say, in a week or should we just go soon? I'm going to say soon and hope for a week. Yeah, I'd hope for a week. Uh, it depends on how, if I get King of Devils out to work. Yes. Um, uh, well, yes, we'll be back soon and we'll be talking Kung Fury and King of Devils Island. Excellent. So um, don't miss it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>